0: Welcome to Table Talk Friday, your weekly dose of D and D banter between three men in a bedroom. If you like their style, come back every Friday for another upload. Now, back to the boys. Two. And I did put a pledge down for that cool table.
1: No, you really did. You? Yeah, really? yeah, I really Ooh. did. Um,
0: because oh, so it's stoked. a. It's a big table. Now, first of all, guys, we are not sponsored by Project Ironside, but there's a Kickstarter that's been up this past week that um, I got an ad for on Instagram. I'm pretty sure that's how most people have found this thing because they bounced up in uh, supporters by like over a thousand yesterday whenever I backed it. Mm -hmm. So I was taking a look at it and they have... So many freaking options. First of all, their goal was only $50,000 for this table. And they've hit almost $4 million uh, because it's just such a cool idea. So for those of you listeners at home who haven't seen it yet, there's this really cool table on Kickstarter called Project Ironside. And it's like a modular gaming table. And it only runs you a base of $399. This campaign is going on for 33 more days, I believe, as as of recording time. Um... So, but, you know, by the time this episode comes out, it will be like 20 more days. You've
2: got no time. You got to get it now.
0: So, um, looking at it, it's a three by five table. It's got cup holders on the side. I mean, come on. It's, uh, what's what the what's the word for like when it's down a little bit? Like it's, it's indented. elevated. Yeah, it's indented down to where like you can put down a full playing mat. I added on um, a playable like play mat that's space themed just because I was like, they had, they had three in there. They had an ocean one. Um, an ocean one on the other side was like, like a beach or something like that. Then they had like a grasslands one, and on the other side was something else. And then they had um one that's like the surface of Mars, and the other side's like galaxies. And I was like, well, we're gonna do spelljammer stuff if we can. If I can have a galaxy table that's lit, um, it was too expensive to do all of them. I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um. So I I backed for the table and I added that on, and I almost added on. They had these like little wood topper things to make it a solid table. But the cool part is they give you they would give you 16 metal legs you can put on the bottom and you can have a ton of different size side tables. So like, um, using the little wood toppers, say if we wanted to have like three different levels that combats going on at one time, they're like risers, and then you can also have it tall enough to where you can put it beside like you as like a little DM table. Um, now, now
2: you sent this over to us, but I didn't look that much into it. So the the wood toppers are or not included. With, the wood toppers the are not
0: included in the base three ninety nine. The three ninety nine is just the table, and you can take that table and like um, split it in half and like make it either long or big. Gotcha. Um, then they have like extenders to make it three by seven instead of three by five. We only need the three by five. Like we don't. Our needs are just for D and D, and nothing we have is longer than three feet by five feet. Yeah, absolutely not. Um. So yeah, I was looking at it. I was like, okay, I'm going to put a pledge down. I have any. I if I decide against it. I can cancel it by like mid October and uh it won't be delivered till July twenty twenty three though. Um, because of the timing of when I backed it. So uh I it'll probably be quite some time before I'm able to get my hands on this table. Um I had to do it now though, because it said they only had a certain amount left of these base of these base tables, uh, for the Kickstarter at least. I think it said they only had like fifteen or twenty left out of like four thousand they were doing. That's how like, they get you. And I was like, "Oh, beans." Well, I don't want to miss out on my table because I kind of want this thing. Um, so I backed it. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see if I decide to go back on it. But this will be
1: so cool for the room we're making, or that I'm making. So then that we can all use. I think the real question is because this is the second time this year you've backed something kind of big, right? Because you also backed the full size, what foot long Tarask? Yeah. Mini, we'll call yeah. it a mini. Now the question is, will the Tarask fit on the table, Seth? Yeah. Yeah, of course it will.
0: It's but a it's three massive. foot by five foot
1: table. It's a one foot mini. Oh, but it
0: would be a cool oh, one it was so much
2: foot bigger. mini though. That's that's so friggin huge. Yeah, it's a one foot
1: terrasc. It's big. Yeah, but it could be bigger. If it fit the whole table, think about it.
2: Could you imagine think if it, it, it had two feet? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Other foot not included. So
2: stupid. Yeah. I actually
1: I actually love the idea of a three D printed Tarasque, but designed in a way that it's actually terrain and the mountain that you're on becomes a trust, like it unfolds or something or opens up, that would be that cool. would be really sick. I don't know how they would do it. Well, sick. I
0: mean, you should get an engineer to make it your Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm a major Which, engineer. Which, this, this week, because uh, because I told you guys I've been really into D&D lately, I've been really into looking at third-party stuff, just because I feel like a lot of the writing in these third-party modules and stuff I've been reading has been better than um a lot of official material. And so I've just been looking at it, and... um. There are so much cool, I, so many cool Kickstarters, uh, for D and D stuff like official five e supplements, uh, not official, but you know what I mean, like stuff that's made for five e. Um, they have really cool, like space settings. They have really cool, um, entire like samurai settings. There's one that was like an entire. It's called Way of the Kensei or something like that. Or you know,
2: I've seen ads for that.
0: Yeah, I saw it on Kickstarter when I was just scrolling through earlier, and I was like, "That's cool. It's a whole five e setting based on, um, like." ancient japanese culture that's awesome so that you there's all these really cool things to back on there and i was like man i could go in here and like do five of these for like 30 bucks each and end up with a bunch of extra books um so what i'm saying is i'm gonna end up with enough third party supplements soon that i'm gonna need to start a whole other podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) talking about third party supplements supplement saturdays (laughs) people just think it's a pharmaceutical kind of thing oh yeah well we'll we'll throw that in there too (laughs) <laughs> i i gotta say i am i'm stoked to use more supplements just because when i think of supplements i think of the one with the cool brass dragon and storm kings and a special man that needs to drink water all the time i don't want to give too many spoilers i'm not sure how spoilery it is it's a very very good supplement but i'm excited to see what other people are thinking what other people could creatively come up with that's not just wizards of the coast you know well honestly it's making me really want to make something like i've been reading all this
0: stuff and i'm like I could write something like this and then like take all of the stuff that I've done already for you guys and put it into a book and be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just going to take this and uh, probably not like a fantasy setting, but put a bunch of one shots out in a book and be like, okay, here's a bunch of extra one shots for 5e. Have fun with it.
2: Yeah, well, that's the the D&D content creator hustle that we haven't tapped into yet. But like all these people who have their podcasts and their their Instagrams and their TikToks talking about D&D, they all have a book. I just got
0: a great idea. Here's what we should do: we should have uh, like a, a ten part series, right, on, on this podcast, on this show, where we spitball one shot ideas. We just spitball them like no other, and we have a great time doing it. We come up with re- t- ten really cool one shots. We already have the one that I did for that uh, convention that I play tested and was fun. Yeah. Oh, with the, so, the big
1: old tree and the green dragon.
0: Yeah. Oh, that was so. Sick. We write that one out, uh, and then we, you know, we get ten others. We put it in a book. Boom, we sell it. And you know, we, we start up a Kickstarter, we make a funny trailer, um, and then make shit tons of
2: money. It's it's Tales from the from the Table Talk Friday Portal uh, Portal <laughs> Podcast. Uh, the the journey to the radiant table talk no, Friday podcast. I think, I boys. think Tales from Friday night is
0: a great <laughs> Tales from Friday Night is a great, uh, that that should be our podcast name. <laughs> what are Fuck, we doing yeah, here? Geez. What are we doing? Tales from Friday Night? That's a good one. Time that to is rebrand, really
2: boys. Time to rebrand. And welcome back to Tales from Friday Night. My name is Seth Pittman. I'm here joined by my two best friends of the world, Andrew Romano and that other guy, <laughs>
0: Zachary Carvon. Hello, it's me.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have
0: glasses, I just pushed them up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know that they couldn't hear my glasses through uh through the speakers. Now now they know too much about oh, beans. You know, with all this this
1: new stuff coming out as far as the software goes for D and D Beyond and and One D and wonder if they're going to have more room available for different kinds of creators to put one offs on the online. I'm no. Not sure if that's a thing that they could do. Or so they already Green have homebrew. some homebrew
0: stuff on there. Um on D&D Beyond that like you can buy and, and purchase but i i doubt they'll let you know i doubt they'll have their own just bank of stuff like that's why we have DM's guild and and everything like that i'm and honestly i'm really getting into this buying physical books game just cuz i'm having so much fun with it you know walking around with all my fancy third party books uh, i can't wait to break open these kobold press monster monster manuals just cuz and they're the pocket size ones so they're they're oh. um yeah, they're pocket-sized monster manuals. So all three of them together, I think, was like fifty bucks. How
2: thick and, must that be?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna. I'll send you guys pictures later. But <laughs> uh, it was all three of them came in one pack, and I'm I'm, I'm sure it's like gonna be huge with their pocket size, so I can just break it out and be like, okay, I got this monster right here. Just DM on the go. I mean, I <laughs> I figured that was more cost effective and also cool as hell that you can have a whole monster manual in that little thing. But just like you were talking about earlier. I wonder how, because um, you were saying how, you know, reading through their stuff, they have a lot of stuff. I was reading through their world book as well, um, which I, it was only like 16 or 17 bucks for the world book PDF. And I was like, I'll just buy that since, because they didn't have any physical copies of it available. Um, reading through that was so much information because they, they give you every single like region of the world, you know, while in, you know, on Toral we're in Forgotten Realms, we're only playing in one small region of Toral. And that's where we're pretty much experience all of these crazy adventures, um, and yeah, no, they give you every single section of this massive universe that they've created, and I'm like, that's really cool. I only need to read like these 20 pages in order to run a campaign, and then you know,
2: over the course of a lifetime, maybe I could get to the rest. Yeah, you know, and that's something that I I do take issue with in Forgotten Realms is like yeah. as a setting, it's cool everything that they have, but. You're on a whole ass planet, and and pretty much all of the you know official content, at least that we have for five E, is uh is all centered on just the Sword Coast.
0: Yeah, yeah, I kind of hate that uh, because you can't tell me there's a whole planet and all of these things going on, and they're only happening in this one section.
2: But I will say, you know, to to that's credit, um, I think it does help to sort of localize your uh, your campaign um, just to include. Familiar areas, right? So, like, you'll go into, you know, uh, Waterdeep D- uh, Dragon Heist and you'll, you know, you'll meet all the characters in the Yawning Portal and and then you'll go into Storm King's Thunder and lo and behold, oh, we got to stop by Waterdeep and, you know, you have that that shared memory of, like, these distinct locations. It makes um sort of, you know, a uh, a very iconic D&D setting, which, which I appreciate, uh, as opposed to, you know, if you spread everything out... Yeah, you could still have, like, these iconic locales, but you're not going to be able to hit them all in a in a single campaign without, like, a teleport spell.
0: Well, what I really like in, you know, I hate to bring up the number one D&D podcast in the world and once again, D&D show, but Critical Role does it so well because uh, he has his entire um, world that he's built out. Um, he, talking about Matt Mercer, has his entire world that he's built out, and in the campaign, they focus on a section. So like um, in the last campaign campaign 2 they were in Wildmount. Uh, I don't remember where they were in the first one. Um, uh,
1: Teldoria I think it Tal was. Teldoria.
0: Yeah, I think it was Teldoria. Mm-hmm. Um and then in this third one they're in another section of the world, uh, another one that I can't remember the name of. But and then throughout the campaign they'll eventually get back to where they were. You know, they they explore a new section, towns that no one none of the audience has heard of, um meeting people that no one has met before. And then, you know, as time goes on and they get more powerful and they they have more, um, like, people know them more. Okay, now we need to go to Taodori for something. We need to go to Wildmount for something, uh, which is really cool. And I would love to do that to where, like, I'm not starting every campaign in Waterdeep, you know. Or I'm not saying, okay, we know that there's Waterdeep, Neverwinter, Baldur's Gate, uh, all of Icewind Dale. You know, there's these four locations. And you can start from one of them because that's what we know. Because it is getting to the point where, uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing because I think we're all really into it, but there is, is a lot of time where everybody feels like, well, you know, when a one-off comes up, well, how do I relate this character to our last campaign? I'm like, no, just make a new character.
2: We don't have to have all characters be, you know, tied in. Right, and it, it does make the world feel a lot smaller. When, right. I, and it, it really isn't. Like, the Sword Coast is a, a vast swath of land to have to, you know, travel across on foot. It, it'll take you a long time, but um, when we keep coming back to the same place over and over, you know, it almost feels like, well, why are we even traveling? We know what's there. Let's just get there already.
0: Right. Like after you know that there's a teleportation circle in Gleam Tower, why not? Why not
2: use that network all the time? Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we haven't done this, but it would be smart for us to just sort of metagame it and say, oh, well, let's um, for no particular reason, I think we should stop by Everland really quick. And uh, oh, you know, there's there's a tower here. I wonder what's there. Just explore the entirety of Moongleam Tower. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and then we walk in and uh, we, you know, we, we meet someone, right? You know, that we've we've never met before. And we say, oh, uh, are you a part of any secret organizations that we should know about that might have access to a teleportation <laughs> circle? Why, as a matter of fact, you are? Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we'd like to use your teleportation network.
0: You know, Zach, that wouldn't be very cool of you. Welcome to Table Talk Friday. My name is Seth Pittman and I'm joined by my two best friends in the world, Andrew Romano and Zachary Carvon. How are you boys doing today?
1: You know, I'm feeling about as cool as the rule of cool. Just sitting back, <laughs> enjoying myself, feet up,
2: <laughs> feeling quality. You know, I, I'd love to like escalate this to even a uh, a less elegant uh, <laughs> implanting of our, of our topic today, but... Um, but I just can't think of one. So um, I'm feeling fine, and uh, I'm ready to talk about the rule of cool, which is our our topic of discussion today on Table Talk Friday.
0: Right, so if you don't know what the rule of cool is, it is basically... Not everything is written down in the book, right? Not everything is spelled out for you in a paragraph or more or less in uh, your textbook-sized player's handbook. Sometimes players come up with crazy ideas and they really want to do them and they say dm can i do this in you know my my thought process always and i think this is it goes for a lot of dms is it badass because if it's badass it's gonna happen because <laughs> 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 we we get into the game and if you see if if you ask me if something can happen and it's not spelled out and it's not adding to the game at all a lot of times i'm like well, there's this alternative you can do, but if someone is like, I'm trying to think of an example lately of of something really cool that someone has done that I've been like, yeah, you know what, let's go for it.
1: Hmm, I can't think of one recently. I think I we're know. just too cool for the rule of cool, maybe. Well, I
0: think I think that they become part of normal play where
1: someone says, "Is that possible?" I'm like, "Yeah, go for it. Roll a d20." Do you think you hit a certain point where the rule of cool doesn't exist because you're just too cool of a party, perhaps? Do you think maybe that's what we can't think
2: <laughs> of on recently? Well, I, I can think of um, that one time that uh, Newth, uh, I believe we were fighting a, a chain devil or, or it, it wasn't the chain devil because he would have been immune to fire, but um, we were fighting this uh, powerful foe over like this pit of lava, and like it, he said, I would like to take this guy and dunk him in the lava. Now, right. now, realistically speaking, should he have been able to do this and like hold him down there? probably not without burning his fucking hands off but um but you said yeah yeah I, i'll allow that and i will <laughs> have it kill him almost instantly yeah it was fun <laughs> yeah it, exactly <laughs> so I, I think the the rule of cool is it, it may not be as uh, as discussed now um but especially when we were getting into the hobby it was sort of like a um a, either you're the kind of table that really loves the rule of cool and you say yeah i think everything should you know it, it, fly as long as it's cool or you're you know on the other side who almost vehemently hates this idea because it it takes away the the agency of the dm to say no right because sometimes players will uh will sort of get entitled with this idea and say well i why can't i do this thing you know and, and then it becomes an argument so i i think we we definitely lean more towards uh the the idea of well you As long as there's not like a rule that explicitly says you can't do that, and as long as it's not, uh, you know, ruining the game for anyone in any way, then we'll usually, you know, lean on the side of, okay, well, let's make this make sense, and you can do it.
1: Which I I think is kind of an interesting point to bring up, because it's called the rule of cool, but it's... It's really not a rule at all. It, <laughs> that's true. It, it really isn't because rule, like you said, kind of takes away from the DM's power. It takes away from the DM's ability to maybe have fun, to make their own choices, to run their own game because they're having fun too, right? The rule of cool is just a variant option that you could play with, you know? If you as a player want to do something that maybe is a little bit outside of the guidelines, maybe it's, it's off the beaten path, you know? You ask your DM, can I do this? It's, it's really a suggestion more than anything.
2: Right and and this it really isn't written down anywhere like in the DMG or or any of the you know the current books for 5e I don't know maybe with one D&D they'll they'll write it down somewhere but but the, there's nothing that says that you are beholden to the rule of cool um but I think uh in general it it's it's a helpful uh guideline uh that can sort of lead you towards more interesting choices uh, again I, I wouldn't ever let uh, you know a player's desire to do something cool undermine like the uh, the logic that we've built up for the game. Like, if this is a you know a fairly realistic, gritty, let's say you know post apocalyptic setting, well, no, I'm not going to let uh, my player uh, you know d- develop this uh, this theorem to create infinite health potions if that's going to you know suck all of the the weight out of the game. No, of course not. But if there's you know somewhere that I can meet them halfway and say oh well you know if you spend enough time on this and you know uh, you you put enough effort into it then maybe your your artificer you know you're able to find the resources to you know create a health potion every you know a uh, couple of days or something. Um, but, but it's all about uh, just meeting the the expectation set by by the game that you're playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree that. Overall, the rule of cool, I feel like as long as I think it's cool, I kind of want it to happen as long as, you know, the book doesn't say it can't. And overall, a lot of times we don't run into anything that's, you know, game-breaking anyways. Nothing that, no one's ever asking to do something that they realistically couldn't do most times for us. So we don't run into it too often. And I feel like it's mostly a problem at lower level play anyways. When you get higher level, you have plenty of cool stuff you can do. So it's not really a big deal. What matters then is how well you flavor it um when you're lower level it's when okay can the cool thing happen
2: right right i mean uh, there's a uh, a common example that i think of with like um a, a druid who you know turns into a a, a giant eagle and they want to carry the whole party with them you know x amount of distance well maybe it's not exactly realistic for for the druid to be able to you know hold that weight um, you know, of everyone. They're only a large creature. But maybe, like, you know, in a in a specific dire situation where, you know, if they don't escape in this exact moment, you know, they risk a TPK, then you, we can... The Cloud Giant's castle is about to come crashing down. You have to get off immediately. Yeah, we can say, okay, you muster all your strength together. Uh, we're gonna make, a, you know, a combined ability check for everyone to try and do this. And, um, you know, we'll push back... Against what the rules say, you probably shouldn't be able to do, and we'll let you roll for it anyway. Yeah, um, which which that's the other yeah. uh, situation that the rule of cool comes up uh, in all the time is, well, can I roll for this and get a nat twenty for the for it to happen? Right, like usually my answer is yes, um, but only if it's you know within the realm of some possibility.
0: Yeah, if there is a 5% chance that this could possibly happen, then yes, let's do it.
1: I think it it's got to be cool, obviously is the first factor, right? We all we've we've dictated uh-huh. that. The second factor, I feel like it can't break the game, which we've we've touched on. It can't be too strong, it can't be overpowering, right? And number 3 for me is it can't make anybody else at the table feel less powerful, it can't make them feel less heroic, in some sense, you know? Don't, like, invalidate someone else's ability, per se. So,
0: oh, like, oh, oh, DM, DM, he just sucks someone's soul, can I do it too? Like, borrowing his power?
1: Like, that would be really
0: cool if we, like, shared it. And I'm like, (laughs) No, <laughs> well,
1: that's sort of that's
2: sort of Sean's thing. You yeah, can't. You can't do of, Sean's that's thing. That's kind, kind of, of Sean's thing.
0: thing. You're kind of being a Patrick right now, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? Or, or, or even you're in a situation where maybe the the rogue has you know intentionally like they've got a little lockbox, they've locked it up. Um, you know, there's something that they want to keep away from the rest of the party in there but your character, you know, they've got slippery fingers and oh uh, well, I don't have proficiency with thieves tools, but can I like make a sleight of hand check to like steal them from the rogue and then try and uh lockpick or you know, pick their their little box well is that cool? No. <laughs> I, I guess that falls this isn't the rule of cool because that's a shitty thing to do. But uh, you know, your your point stands. It if there's, you know, something that um that someone else in the party is perfectly capable of doing, but you just want to do it because, um, then no, no, that's yeah. I, I, I guess I mean I think this whole scenario is probably a little antithi- antithetical. Jeez, that's a hard word to say fast um, <laughs> to the to the rule of cool because it's it's not cool when you do that.
1: <laughs> you know, now that we're now that we're talking about it, my brain started going. I can't think of a really cool. Rule of Cool moment that happened in one of my games uh, a long time ago. A few of my players were fighting something that had some type of a, a gaze weapon, something along the lines of a bodak or a beholder or, or um, certain spirits, things like that. Um, and so it was looking at everybody and doing psychic or necrotic damage to everybody around. And so they were they were trying to close their eyes so they wouldn't lock eyes with it, sort of like a like a gorgon, a Medusa, sort of a vibe. But one of the players at the table thought to grapple the creature and force its gaze away from the party which i thought was really cool that's not you know that's not how grappling works i don't think you really get to dictate where the people are per se with the grapple but i thought that was really sick it was really creative and it was neat and it saved everybody at the fight yeah i like that i mean and that is possible
0: with grappling i would say being able to turn a creature around or um move it slightly i mean i think in the new the new grappling rules that are that they had in the one D and D stuff it's a little more you know written out how it works
2: right i'd say in in either scenario though it's not specified that you get to like dictate the the creature's positioning like within their space you can move them you know x amount of spaces but it does make sense if you're overpowering this yeah uh, this person that you would be able to you know uh, Move them to however which way you want them. Right. So I, I think that that's that's a great example of the rule of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, coming up with uh, creative solutions to your problems when they're not you know fully written out in the in the book. Like uh, th- for example, and, and this is something that I like to do uh, in my games is uh, messing with the terrain in combat. So like, I I won't do it all the time, but like if. Uh, if there's a room with a chandelier in it, I'm really wanting someone to do something with that chandelier, and it's definitely gonna work, even <laughs> if it it doesn't seem like a you know uh there's nothing written anywhere about falling chandelier rules. Like AC there,
0: ten five hit points, it'll fall.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's no rules about swinging from a chandelier giving you advantage on your your uh you know your hit on the descent. But if you're a player who's gonna try and pull that shit, I'm gonna reward it because it's cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think that's exactly the point is anytime some, I think the rule of cool comes up when the party is being creative, which is super fun. Or um, even so, sometimes a party member will make a really cool argument against an NPC or something like that. And it's like, sometimes it's written in the book. If you, if you read it through a lot of the modules, uh, there are characters that, that are written in there that it's like, this person will never like change their mind about this or like this person you like you cannot sway this person it's impossible and when those things come up but the party members make a really good argument sometimes i cave the npc i'm like yeah no they cave that was a good <laughs> argument <laughs> when because I, I i kid you not sometimes patrick will sit there and talk for 5 minutes and i'm like He's making a lot of good points right now. <laughs> like, what I, do I do? Roll persuasion, please, with triple advantage, and <laughs> and you roll over twenty. And I'm like, yes, that's yes, my leash. I'm crying.
1: <laughs> I know, I know, we goof on uh, broccoli, Eric Patrick quite a bit here, um, specifically with his magical abilities as his choice of spells, but sometimes. He rants some good stuff. Like, he just oozes some good persuasion checks or even just makes really solid points to some of these NPCs. And his
0: one-off characters are always such good friends with the villains.
1: Like, (laughs) have you noticed
0: that every time he has, like, a new character, like, you guys will go to talk to someone, and he just becomes their best friend quickly? (laughs) Like, uh, the Lich. You know, he just made made best friends with the Lich in, like, five seconds. I mean, then, obviously, when Varys went ahead and befriended the Van Thamber family... (laughs) Yeah. Um, he walks in and is like, let's just be friends instead.
2: <laughs> no, I, I am not going to talk, sit here and slander, uh, talk shit on my boy Patrick, but that was the dumbest shit. <laughs> <laughs> we did this whole, it wasn't a one-off, it was a whole arc of our campaign. It was like, you know, intermittent between uh, the two what arcs. It was it, three sessions, right? Yeah, yeah, we had yeah. like a, a whole three session thing built out where his whole point was to go in Kill the bad guys And take their shit It was a terrible idea We knew it was going to fail But we get to the You know The moment of no return We've broken in We've like you know We've started fighting Some of the guards And then they all rush in And we realize Oh shit we're outnumbered I mean imagine that right um, And he caves He says You know what I surrender Literally <laughs> I will work for you For nothing <laughs> Please spare was... me my life. <laughs> 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 like some I mean it, it was the dumbest shit but he quite we
0: quite literally would have ended the arc that time though. I mean I I think it was stupid too. It was so funny. Um but we we ended the arc that time and we would have ended it with him losing all his hit points which would have been like okay, now we'll find out what happens next time, you know. <sighs> Could because you imagine? He was up against like an assassin and then the um there was a yeah, cook. He had the, like butcher knives. and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. The, he was he was quite literally like my chef assassin, is what I called him. And then he he was um, assassin stat block and everything. Um, and then we had the the head Van, Van Thamper lady, uh, whose name I forgot already. Was it, after writing it, Charlene. Oh, it was Charlene. Charlene Van Thamper. Um She was pretty strong. It uh, was a pretty strong caster too, I believe. Um and there was the one other guy there as well and I was like oh yeah these guys will just mess Varus up real
2: quick. Well and, and it wasn't only that I'm pretty sure we rushed there with like less than all of our shit um, because you put the pressure on us after we we broke out of the tomb of horrors which is the thing that we just did before this. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, we were we were trapped in the tomb we broke out we uh, we fought our captors and then. Uh, you know, everyone was on high alert because they were uh, on the side of the Van tamper. So we rush over there, half-cocked. We run into a room full of very powerful enemies and then, like, a bunch of uh, lower-powered enemies, but still enough to, like... It, action is a real thing. Like, we had some very strong... I, I think we were, what, level 12? Like, we had some very strong characters, and we knew that we were fucked. <laughs> Anyways, um...
0: As far as the the rule of cool goes, I think this can apply heavily to a lot of DMs when they're thinking up scenarios in their head. Like, sometimes I will not have planned for something whenever a session is going along. And some actions of the players will lead to me coming up with another idea. And as opposed to being like, no, this isn't what I planned for. Like, I'm going to either redirect this so that it still ends the way I want it to, or, um, I'm going to, you know, let the players do their thing and then we'll get back on track. A lot of times I let that new idea spark and I just flow along with it. So the new idea comes up and I'm like, fuck everything else I was thinking before the session started, we're doing this now. Um, and I'll, I'll have, you know, two pages of notes, all kinds of stuff ready. And I go, well, and I throw my phone to the side and I'm like, okay, let's do this. Um, and that new idea is kind of what brings about some of the best sessions we've ever had. So I, I would say for, for all the DMs that are listening out there, the rule of cool is not just, hey, my player wants to do something either dumb, risky, or really, really cool. Uh, should I let them do it? Um, it's not really it's not written in the rules that they're allowed to. Should I let them do it? I feel like the general consensus among most people, I wouldn't say everybody. Some people are very by the book. But I among most people is, yeah, just go for it. It'll be fun. But a lot of people are afraid to take those jumps with their narrative, like are afraid to just be like, "Oh, I we can't we cannot go down this road." No, just go down the road,
2: see what happens. It's going to be hilarious and fun. Well, yeah, and, and I think the you know again, uh, just make sure that it uh, you know it doesn't lead to a you know an unsatisfying conclusion. Like, okay, fair enough. If if the player you know is fighting a an iron golem and they say, "Oh, well, I I'm going to cast like a 6th level uh dispel magic to destroy this creature. If that's the only monster you prepped for the day, um and we all know iron golems uh they're I believe they're immune to a large number of spells. I'm going to say no, that's probably not going to work. Um but but it, you know, say we've been fighting this iron golem for x amount of turns, and you know you've been doing a lot of damage to it. Maybe um, you can
0: see some kind of core that's on the inside, and yeah. you can aim the spell magic at that.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I'm, a, I'm a lot more lenient with these sorts of, uh, you know, ass pulley sort of plays when it's the party on their back foot. If you know, if as a DM, uh, I see everyone's got all their resources, we're getting close to a long rest, and. Um, and, you know, they're trying to pull some shit that they shouldn't be able to pull. Then I might say, well, you can try. Um, and, you know, and then we'll go from there. But uh, sometimes uh, players need that moment of, oh, I thought of a really good idea and it worked. Like um, like that one time we were fighting the uh, illusory dragon. Right. Um, you, I don't think you expected a dispel magic to destroy that thing entirely. But I no. pulled it out of my back pocket. And, uh, and you I said, did- I guess... I guess that works. <laughs>
0: well, no, I mean, I I actually did have it written that a dispel magic would be effective, It just depending on the age of the dragon, depending on which level. Uh...
2: So I actually had
0: written that out beforehand. Was like, oh, they're not meant to fight an adult red dragon here. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that would have been a cool moment if I had if I hadn't already planned for that because I kind of wanted you to do it. So I I described it in a way that was like, this is magical and can be killed with magic.
2: <laughs> well, bad example, but you know, if yeah. you're a DM and you've you've created a. Uh... Uh, or you know maybe a, it's a, a shadow shadow animated and, armor yeah or it, anything anything really um th- it really depends on the the circumstances whether or not you want to uh, let some of that stuff slide because with spells especially there's a lot of you know odd ways to sort of fudge the rules and and try and get away with shit like um like featherfall for example you could um say you're not really supposed to be able to control your descent when you cast Featherfall. But what if I really want to be a Mary Poppins and pull out my umbrella <laughs> and I cast Featherfall and I use it to direct my descent? I feel like that's a really cute idea and I'd yeah. probably let it happen.
1: Yeah. Maybe cuteness plays into the rule of cool. If it's if it's pretty cute, I might let you do it. Yeah, we'll have to see. But going off your point, Zach, I feel like a lot of these really cool moments do come when the players are on their last foot, you know? Which when you're stronger, when you're a higher level, we discussed that you can already do so many cool things. There's lots of spells you could do, lots of cool abilities. But I feel like the best rule of cool moments are when you're a low-level player, it's like one to five, maybe even one to three, where you pull some bullshit out of your pocket and you do some crazy cool thing because you have so few resources. You feel so cool if you could do a lot with so little. To me, those are the, the better moments. So I wonder if it is harder to pull off the rule of cool at higher levels, or if it's easier just because you have more to give, you have more risk because there's, there's so many more things you could do, you know? I don't know.
0: Anybody got any final thoughts on the rule of cool?
2: If you're a DM out there and, uh, and you've been listening, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, Patreon.com slash Friday. <laughs> yes, Patreon.com slash Friday. Shameless plug. Um, if you're a DM who's been listening patiently and you say, boys, I love the sound of your voices, but I disagree with everything you're saying. I think the rule of cool is uh, a blight on my table. Um, my players are always trying to get away with shit. Um, you're valid. I hear you. Um, but uh, maybe, maybe think of ways to let it, Permeate your mind. Maybe you're not letting players get away with all the dumb shit, but th- there's a time and a place for everything, right? It, it, and ultimately, the the moments that the players are going to remember the most are the ones where they felt like they really overcame something. Uh, and there's no better way to do that than coming up with some harebrained scheme and seeing it to fruition. So um, it, it's definitely uh, not an all the time thing to just let your players do whatever they, they think of. But those are going to be some of your best memories. And when you're thinking back about, Oh, that session that I had was so great. That time that I, I put a bag of holding inside another bag of holding and, and it sucked the, the beholder away to the astral plane. Like that's a great idea. The, the way that we pulled it off, it, it, there were tons of ways that Seth could have said, well, no, it probably doesn't work that way. And, uh, and you actually fail. Um, but the mystique did. behind the way it worked though was, was so fun yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, allow yourselves to um you know you don't always have to say yes but find the times where it is appropriate to i love being level 20 i love having all crazy cool abilities and
1: and just being absolutely all-powerful but you as well as everyone else at the table just wants to have fun so Give something a try. If your players are willing to sacrifice a little bit, to put a little risk involved, do something a little different, something creative, give it a go. See what happens. And if you're not for it, then, you know, play a wizard, you nerd.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Table Talk Friday where we talked about the rule of cool. For more on the rule of cool a bunch of other stuff, whatever we're going to say in the post show in like 10 minutes from now, you can find us on patreon.com slash tabletalkfriday where you can subscribe at many different levels for many different benefits, including listening to the post-show we are about to record. If you like to reach out to us and tell us why you hate the rule of cool, why you don't want it to ever exist, and why this is your least favorite episode of Table Talk Friday, you can email us at tabletalkfriday at gmail.com, you motherfucker, and <laughs> argue with me, and we'll argue about it next week, and the week after, and the week after that. Anyways, you can find us at tabletalkfriday at gmail.com. Other than that, you can find our TikToks on TikTok.com slash Tabletalk or at Tabletalk Friday on TikTok, at Tabletalk Friday on YouTube, and at Tabletalk Friday on Twitter. And with that, will the coolest
2: Eric take me out? I sure will, baby. I'll take you out. I'll take you out <laughs> to the uh, the soda shop and we'll go in my... 1950s car with my leather jacket and my slicked back pompadour yeah that's right baby i'm taking you out have a have a good night